1: We're here at the Man You Party of Tenio, which I'm here with Simon, who oversees all of our coverage. And we came and we thought there'll be a couple of people at And
2: it is, a, I guess it's representative of a how popular Manchester United are, if not how popular, how intriguing they are to, the, uh, to all sports fans. It's a good party
1: actually, I mean, there's, there's a lot of people, they have a stand, and people were joking that it was like their for sale stand, but they've definitely denied it.
2: They've denied that, although I think they are on the, uh, on the, uh, on the books for sale, you can have a, a, a Red Devil uh, cocktail if you want before leave. Really. We're
1: still working, so maybe no alcohol. It's one of the most bizarre things that you see on Promenade in Davos. This is the main road where you have all the millionaires, billionaires, the elite, the businessmen trying to talk. And I have seen over the years strange things, but there's a big Man United shop and they had a nightcap. Some of the owners were there. The goalkeeper was there. But they say, look, this is not because they're up for sale.
2: Well, what are they doing? Selling merch to all of the, <laughs> to all of the hedge funders? I mean, what's the point <laughs> of them setting up a big shop if they're not actually? Are they, surely they're trying to catch the eyes of the Qatari Investment Fund, aren't they? Isn't that? I mean,
1: so we spoke to the Qatari Investment Fund, and he said, look, they're definitely looking at at, um, football investments. Football's clubs and the sport is becoming uh, very commercialized and very investment friendly. So you see even funds are becoming an investors in this, and uh, you will not be surprised if we invest this if you speak to the people having this basically menu stand it's not really a stand it's really like a proper shop i mean it's glitzy it's quite glamorous they say it's just to talk about values we've been a partnership in partnership for you know 10 years with the wef and this was the right time for us to do it
2: right yeah um right. and uh, yeah i believe that one well, can, can you pick me up a rashford shirt uh francine and, yeah sure
1: uh, maybe i'll get it signed
2: yeah perfect thank you very much I'm David Merritt.
1: And I'm Francine Lacqua.
2: And this is In The City, Bloomberg's podcast connecting you to the stories and the voices at the heart of the city of London.
1: And Dave, this week it's in the city, but actually in the Alps.
2: That's right. We're on tour. You, Francine, are in Davos for the World Economic Forum.
1: Yes, and I've always been fascinated by the rather large presence of UK businesses, UK politicians, that this year just does not seem to come true. So the Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, is not here. We'll discuss that with Phil Aldrich. Maybe it would have been a PR disaster if the billionaire prime minister shows up to Davos. But there is also a lack of of business people on the ground.
2: I I thought it was interesting that only one of the G7 leaders love shorts of Germany coming. In fact, we had an interview with him, with our editor-in-chief, John McElthwaite, but pointedly, not actually at Davos. He actually came into our bureau in Berlin. So none of the world's top leaders actually want to really be seen at this year's event. Why do you think that is?
1: And I hear that a lot. There's a lot of, you know, even Wall Street titans that will come on TV with us, that will be here to do business, that will do sign contracts, but don't really want to be seen because there's a huge backlash that this is, you know, just a gathering of the rich and it doesn't actually achieve anything. Who is here is Kirstarmer. And he's here to drum us business. And I don't think he'll get any bad press at all.
2: Right. You know, this isn't new, though, is it? But criticism of Davos for being just the, the elite talking to themselves, you know, debating climate change, zooming in on a private jet. But why? And this is the first time they've all come back together, of course, in person in the winter, you know, for, since before the pandemic. But why now do people feel like they can't sort of stomach the PR around that? I, I think that's pretty interesting. And, and, and yet, for some people who are kind of on the up, like Keir Starmer, it's still a place to come
1: and be seen and to network. So I am delighted to be joined by Phil Aldrich because you know what, Dave? He's been here three days. I've been here three days. We haven't actually seen each other because he's chasing the corridors. I bet you're running like around, all Phil. the business. He has been running around. Phil Aldrich, who... Um, covers all things UK. Welcome.
3: Hi, hi, guys. Um, yeah, I'm exhausted, chasing around. I've got blisters, um, endless, <laughs> endless, endless walking <laughs> <laughs> up and down. Not quite, not yet, not yet.
1: It is snowy and it is very cold, so it's more difficult than previous years just to find the right people to speak to.
3: Yeah, it's slippery. I think possibly that people are keeping a bit of a low profile because, uh, you know, the cost of living crisis, it is, it, you know, it doesn't look good to be you know, on the slopes celebrating your wealth and uh, talking about very important things but having jetted in when the rest of the world is struggling with massive inflation etc so we've had a lot of uh, business people just try to just keep a little bit more of a low profile than normal i was speaking to one businessman recently he said he's been coming for god knows how long like d- decades and he said it used to be just business leaders now all these politicians are getting in the way they're shining too much light on us and they, he, i mean he was saying they liked it when it was sort of more quiet Event for the business community.
1: So, Phil, really, it would have been impossible for Rishi Sunak to show up.
3: Yeah, it's very difficult for a you know billionaire to be you know, coming in to speak to the other billionaires and also be a man of the people, as the prime minister would like to present himself as. But uh, it's it's different for Keir Starmer and and Rachel Reeves. They are going to be you know glad handing the business people on Thursday. They are going to be trying to build up their profile. One thing that was mentioned to me by one of the business leaders here, he, so so Kirstimer and Rachel Reeves were actually invited by Klaus Schwab, which and he has a sort of antenna for the coming people, and you mm. uh, know there's quite a. Uh, sort of vote of confidence in the in Labour being you know future future government uh, government in waiting.
2: And that's interesting. I mean you know but in the past I just remember the big the big hitters politically used to come in. You know, do you remember the circus when Donald Trump flew in? You know Xi Jinping coming. I remember and of course Theresa May slightly on the other side of the coin. You know not quite filling up the hall when she came to speak. But none of the G7 leaders are doing that big performance there. So yes, you know Schwab can invite you know the up and comers but the big names aren't there. Does the, does the event this shift, feel a little bit lacking in one of those big moments?
3: They've got... So Ukraine obviously is such a massive agenda item and you've got Zelensky here. So that does feel like a...
2: Uh, I suppose he's know, the biggest uh, sort of star on the world yeah.
3: stage. Yeah, he's my right? video.
2: He's, yeah, he's
3: yeah. being
1: beamed in by video. And his, okay. his, uh,
3: his wife was no. here. She gave the uh, she gave personal address, didn't she? But doesn't quite have the star power that, that it's had in the past. And, and you know, speaking to that point of everybody's being a little bit more muted.
1: I, I think it would have been very difficult for a global head of state to come here and give a big speech, given where we're in flux on foreign policy. So we had the vice premier of China no. and it was the first time we heard from him in three years. I mean, it's the first time that he's met with Western officials. Interesting, he was talking about China reopening and, you know, before it was closed, but he didn't actually mention the word COVID. So it is still a glimpse into foreign affairs that are extremely volatile. You don't know what happens in the next 12 months. So I don't know if it's the WEF not being able to attract that big name or no big name really having a strong message. You know, if you come to the WEF and give a keynote, Phil, you better have a message behind it, right? Mm-hmm. When she came, it was reopening. That was, I think, in 2017. And now you, I guess it's just much more, you know, there are just many more tensions.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, von der Leyen is, is another one who's uh, you know, a, big, a big figure who has given a keynote address. And as you say, she did want uh, people to know that uh, Europe is going to respond to the Inflation Reduction Act that the U.S. has set, which is one of the hot topics behind the scenes here, that this massive subsidy, green subsidy scheme in America is causing big tensions between the Europe and the U.S. And they're obviously they're trying to resolve some of those tensions. Um, and, and von der Leyen's speech was partly about that.
1: I mean we're still in, in really frankly at war in Europe. How much is that prevalence in the Davos talk?
3: The the sentiment in Ukraine is definitely changing in terms of there's fears that, that the two sides are going to are really bedding in and it's going to turn into something like Afghanistan or or Syria and it's going to be this sort of horrible you know, years long the front line doesn't move and money is just is thrown at it and Ukraine is constantly in uh, losing uh, you know economic losing people and, and it will need sort of just general support just to keep the economy going in that respect it, it's bleaker than it was back in May when people were thinking that there would be some quick quick solution. I think you, there is definitely a feeling that it's it's got worse.
1: What's Boris Johnson doing here? He can't stay off the circuit.
3: Boris Johnson, who has called has called Davos a constellation of egos. He's had this wonderful oh, you know, to which he's adding, yeah, the, exactly. He's, own, his, his massive his cr- criticism star. saying he didn't ever want to come to Davos. For a constellation of egos. He's on a panel. Um, uh, I think you know who who, who he's with. I think
1: it's either. Victor Punchuk, but it's not, so it's not part of the official program. These are like some of the side yeah, events. The side events yeah. And this is something that I notice more and more, Dave. I feel like the side events are actually almost bigger in terms mm. of attendance. Underground than the Davos.
3: Underground Davos is what they call <laughs> the it. <fringe>. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Underground Davos, but with a lot of banners everywhere. So you know exactly <laughs> yeah. where you're going.
0: The countdown has begun from May 14th to 16th.
2: In terms of the business people coming in, then, obviously the UK has always sent a lot of CEOs, people from the city. What is the vibe from the kind of the British delegation, if you like, coming to Davos? You know, the UK economy has not been faring well, of course, comparatively to the rest of the world. We're out the other side of Brexit. What's the vibe from from the Brits that you're running into?
3: Just before this whole thing that the Davos started, there was a poll of global CEOs. It was taken in October and November, so this might explain it, but they were miserable. Everyone's completely convinced that the economy is is tanking. And then the vibe on the street among the business leaders is actually reasonable optimism i mean china reopening after covid that is expected to be a big a big boost actually i think it was alan jope at unilever he said that we're going to see revenge spending all these people who have been locked up for ages that chinese are going to go on revenge spending and just absolutely blow their blow a fortune which is going to help demand in the economy and, and they're just generally seeing sort of a, a, people generally feel like there is momentum and, I, and that's true for the brits as well i mean people here are not are not singing the UK's praises. I mean, it was only a few months ago that we were the you know, bet Noir of the world and in you know, a cautionary tale after the Trussonomics debacle. But there's, there's generally you know, reasonably positive sentiment at the moment.
1: Yeah, and, and there are just not enough UK chief executives, I think, to get the temperature right. I don't know, Phil, who you've been chasing, but we had a lot of, you know, the head of UK... Banks or the, the regional heads of banks, and they say, Look, it's going to be a tough year. IPOs are down. We still have to look at bonuses. We spoke to the head of the EMEA for JP Morgan. He was saying, Look, a lot of traders are expecting, or investment bankers are expecting, a bonus cut just because it hasn't been mm. that buoyant.
2: So, you know, the performance hasn't been there. So, I mean, it's not even a. I, I, and people under, understand, I mean, this is kind of, you know, if the performance isn't there, it, you know, you don't expect it.
1: There's no big name BP's here. He doesn't want to speak. He doesn't mm. want to speak on stage. Mm. And so then if you look at, you know, the FTSE 100, there's not that that name that everybody really wants to speak to from the UK side.
3: Yeah, UK hasn't really been a dominant presence here. That is that is definitely notable. It, you know, previous years we have had rather Large delegations, but this year we've really slimmed it back. We've got Grant shaps the business secretary, coming, and Kemi Badenoch, the trade secretary. So I think Grant Schaps is doing some public stuff, but Kemi Badenoch is not doing any media. So she's just too, she's talking behind the scenes. It is it's it's a relatively muted affair. I, I guess we're we're in that economic stability stage, right, of our, of our recovery, rather than the sort of let's go out there and promote. A few years ago, we we had banners all over the promenade you know, Britain. Is great for a, in business and we were gonna be this big trade miracle. So yeah, we're we're kind of a mildly invisible presence this year,
2: right? I guess there's a repair job still going on, right? From the from the turmoil you mentioned over the summer, we had the kind of huge market dislocation after the Trussonomics experiment. And Sunak is trying to kind of steady the ship. How are people reading his performance who you speak to who are who are at Davos?
3: You know, he is of their ilk, guys. to Bill Winters, who, who just said ten out of ten, ten out of ten ten for out of ten. 10. There we go. <laughs> I mean, the the, the 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 people are generally positive about mm-hmm. about Sinek. I mean, they, you know, he is he is a technocrat, managerial prime minister. In, in his that you would probably describe him as as his natural inclination. And you know, we have business leaders who want stability. They want managerial excellence. I mean, he just fits the Davos mold perfectly. So there is quite a lot of support for him.
1: And and I'll let you know, Dave, what I think is a tad worrying me because we had, and Phil actually mentioned the survey of PwC saying, I think they spoke to 4,000 business leaders and they haven't been so pessimistic. But people here are optimistic that we've reached peak inflation. Mm. They've, you know, I I hear a lot of talk about, look, we're going to avoid a recession in Europe, we're going to avoid a recession in the US. And so there is that optimism creeping up um, from a lot of the bankers. And it's easy to forget that the most vulnerable of the population, which is what we're seeing in the UK, even if we skirt, you know, the worst case scenario, the vulnerable are going to you know, even, even like a 2% jump in inflation mm. hurts them a lot. And so then we talk about redistribution of wealth or, or something to help also the the poorest of society. And that's something that I think is missing from these Davos conversations.
3: Yeah, I think Gita Gopinath has just been on, on a panel where she was saying that fiscal policy, one of the big It's got to be non-inflationary, it can't be just like massive, massive government spending and it's got to help those, uh, the the most vulnerable members of society.
1: And while we have inflation and we need to bring inflation down, we also have the issue that there is uh, high prices, which then calls for fiscal policy to provide support to the most vulnerable in society. So you have an inflation problem you have to deal with, but you are still hit with shocks that require fiscal policies to step up. And that's what's making the current conjuncture uh, particularly difficult.
3: The, the point is being made, but it's not something, obviously, that is the focus of attention um, in the back rooms and the champagne swilling parties.
2: Yeah, you know, the, the, the equality agenda has often been on the list, hasn't it, at Davos? But it just, just ring, rings a little hollow, doesn't it?
1: Dave, <laughs> Dave wants to know about the parties.
2: Yeah, I do. Actually, I want to, steer, <laughs> I want to pivot. on Where have <laughs> you been, Phil? Who have you met? And what are the parties like? Uh I've well I've it's, i've only been here
3: one night for parties. I've had a sure. dish. I've had there was there was More a
2: scene. I bet you've there, been to a few.
1: I I've been to a few parties. Here we go. But Phil first.
3: Well, I had there was there was a pretty good dinner on the first night where it was actually full of um, Ukrainian politicians who were Mm -hmm. who were incredibly compelling as you as you'd expect, and then and then masses of business uh, figures who were well, you know, one or two who were quietly going, well, I think there's going to have to be some kind of uh, uh, escape route for Putin, and we've got to get a peace ceasefire as quick as possible. So a bit of conflict in the room, Um, and otherwise, you know, it's, it's just kind of been. Uh, swilling a little bit of a uh, bit of champagne and, and
2: uh, so Ian a modest amount. Good. Yeah, for I, sure.
1: yeah. I I haven't actually. I've only drunk water. But I've I've had very, very late nights. I also start at 5 a.m. on a rooftop. You have
2: an early <laughs> day. can, we, can <laughs> right. we tell
1: the bosses that we need. You know, thicker layering. Have you got, no, have you got enough
2: like puffer jackets? Minus 12 and, degrees.
1: Know, yeah. I have a very thick one. Um, there's not the parties that there were five, six years ago, even, you know, seven, eight years ago where you had celebrities. And it was, I remember like the, the Google parties where they used to fly in famous DJs. Frankly, thank God we don't have those anymore because they'd be so out of touch with reality and what we're living through. I've been to a couple of private dinners um, that are usually held by big investors. And I find them very... Just because the conversation is very open. Uh, and I've, you know, find it very interesting to talk to Middle East investors about what they think about the UK and whether now is the right time. And there's always, you know, talk about geopolitics. The QIA reception party is the place to be because they own so many assets and so many banks that all the bankers show up. <laughs> so right. so and that was still, that and was a still good, spending, it finished right? early, yeah. but it was good. And then, uh, yeah, and then there was a man U you know nightcap yesterday which was bizarre but very well attended
3: <laughs> i caught the end of the skybridge capital wine
1: oh that's right, anthony scaramucci
3: yeah yeah it was uh basically it was the dregs of the bottle that was left at the end be, <laughs> of which i was one because i turned up way too late, late to <laughs> yourself down i think
2: you were the probably the, the star draw but um i do you think the high rolling days are coming up is it is this just a pause in that kind of in the high rolling stages of davos is it gonna be back with the more of a bang in years to come. Do you we think? need a or- big
3: industry, don't we? To like the banks, banks were the kings of the kings of Davos, then the tech giants. So, what is it? What is it of the future?
1: I mean, there was a crypto. I remember, what was it in May? And it's very different. I'm really lobbying for to have this in May because you don't have the snow boots and it's just so much easier to go around. This no is last year, right? The this. summer
2: edition. The yeah, it edition. was May.
1: Yes, May last year, uh, where they moved it from January because of COVID. And you did have banners of Binance. You had a lot of the crypto firms. Those are completely gone. I actually think that, I mean, we're over No one wants to be seen partying and flying in you know the big DJs anymore? Yeah. I think
3: also because the Russian delegation was a massive contributor yeah, to, to yeah. the excess that was yeah. here. So
2: yeah, the, the sort of vodka parties and I don't yeah, know. yeah, yeah,
3: exactly, exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you, Phil Aldrich.
2: You're welcome. Nice to speak. Thanks for listening to this week's in the city. We will be back next week.
1: But in the meantime, if you like our show, please head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and rate, review and subscribe.
2: This episode was hosted by me, David Merritt.
1: And me, Francine Lacqua.
2: It was produced by Summer Sardi.
1: Editing and sound design by Blake Maples.
2: And special thanks to Phil Aldrich, Mariful Hussain and Abigail Morris.
1: And an extra special thanks to Tori Cochran, our biggest fan and honorary producer here in Davos.